When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Louda, what do you got? All right, so you guys were going to talk about the Lakers. So this is, uh, you know, kind of in that wheelhouse because anything that has to do with Kobe, to me, is part of the Lakers. So this weekend, Vanessa Bryant actually unveiled a new court in Anaheim that um, features Gigi Bryant and Kobe Bryant. It was a new basketball for... um, Kids, you know, like underprivileged kids and stuff. It's in Pierce, court. Yes, yeah. in Pearson yeah. Park in the neighborhood of Anaheim, like I said, which is in the OC. You know, I'm okay with that. They live over there. But um, I loved it. Like, I saw it, the court. It looks cool. I saw the pictures, yeah. I love the butterfly, man. Like, just having her, like, her name on there. Like, yeah. that, to me, it was beautiful. But, yeah, yeah Kobe and, and Gigi are in there, half court. I don't know. I loved it. Like, it looks super dope. And I just, you know, wanted, if you guys haven't seen it, go ahead and Google the pictures. It's really pretty. Yeah. I think it's pretty awesome, for sure. Uh, definitely you should check it out if you're a Laker fan. And, you know, uh, you know, even if you're not a Laker fan, you just love Kobe or love basketball even. Like, you should check it out because it's pretty cool stuff. That is What You Need to Know, brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. That's the 90 minutes from wherever you are. So, yeah, Cap, it's funny. Like, I have friends who want their rivals to always stink. So, like, we were talking before about, um, you know, high school teachers giving out yeah. a couple of shout-outs on National Teacher Day. In high school, you want your rival football team to be terrible. Right. Because you want those guys to suffer. Right. But in pro sports, you, I think, as a fan, you want your rival team to be good so that it makes everything that much more, like, that much more meaningful. But I'm just trying to figure this out because, like, if let's just say, for example, let's say the Rams are playing the 49ers and the Rams blow the 49ers out. A lot of Rams fans will be like, great, I'm glad we blew them out. Me, I'm like, that was not an entertaining competitive football game. So right. I want the rival to be good so that the games and the season is competitive between them. Am I alone right. in this? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Lindsay, what do you think? How do you feel about your, your rivals? Do you want them to stink, or do you want them to be really good and both teams to be super competitive? I want them to be good because, as you know, Cleveland alert, I am a Browns fan, and our rivals are the Steelers. And when the Browns were terrible, like, the games were no fun for us, obviously, and a lot of my friends that are Steelers fans were just like, they could just rip on you and it's just meaningless. Like, Oh, you guys stink. And then last year it was vice versa where, you know, the Steelers or two years ago where the Steelers were terrible. And it was like, it wasn't even that fun. Like, yeah, it was great to beat them, but I would so much rather like beat them when they're good and be like, yeah, well you guys suck. We beat you. But I, you are right. Cap about high school. I feel like it's totally different in high school. You want them to be bad, but that's because you guys are the ones playing them. Cause you know, when you're fans of a team, you're not the one that's out there. Like, playing and risking your life and body and all that stuff. But, you know, in high school, you could be your boyfriend out there. You don't want your boyfriend to be the one who gets made fun of when your team stinks, right? <laughs> right. I, I hadn't thought about it from the girlfriend-boyfriend perspective. <laughs> or even just, like, your, yourself. Like, I, I want our rivals, like, in high school when I played soccer, I wanted our rivals to be bad because I wanted to be able to beat them and know we beat them every time because I was playing. But, you know. I think as a fan of pro sports, you want the rivals to be good. It makes it more fun. Yeah. Just thinking about my kids in high school and playing against their rivals and getting to, like, a, a CIF championship moment, and now you're playing against your rival, and if you lose that game, ugh, you'll never hear it for the rest of your life. Never. In fact, you'll never hear the end of it, you mean. Yeah, what did I say? You said you'll never hear it. No, you'll never hear the end of it. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school – my rival team, we never beat them, never one time. In fact, I think that the first 10 or 12 times that the two schools played, we lost every year. And still to this day, I mean, I could be home and run into somebody and from the other team and be like, we got you guys. 
And I'm not saying like it's like people are coming looking for me like just to tease me about it, but it's one of those things that your whole life, God, we, we lost to those guys. Had them, should have beat them. You right. know what's weird is my, my high school and our rivals merged to become one school a few years ago. Like, that's no fun. You can't merge yeah, with that's, your rival that's school. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. Uh, Lauda, what about you? I mean, you're the actual Dodger fan here. You're like the – well, I mean, I've become a big Dodger fan. Um, you you were a longstanding Dodger fan. Like, do you like it when the Giants are good too? I'm torn because, yes, we want a competitive, you know, rivalry. Like, for me, like the Padres, whatever. Like, I want <laughs> – you know what I mean? Like, I want someone that's going to give us a run for our money. And yeah. I like that. But then, you know, when they beat us, it's like, ugh. But at least it's like, okay, they – we lost to a good team. So I want them to be good because then when we beat them and we squash them, we're like, see, we know. Yeah. See, that's another thing. You talk about rivalries. If you are a Dodger fan, you don't look at the Padres as a rival. Padres are no rival to you. The Padres have never done anything. I mean, there were a couple of years. They made it to a World Series here and there, but they didn't win any. And so yeah, you don't look at the Padres. That? Say again? Who decided that? Like, who came up with this recently? I feel like this is a new thing over the past few years that they're rivals now. Who? I'm just saying, like, in general, like, people. No, 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 no. Was that, like, a Padres fan base? Yes, of course. It's a Padre fan base thing because the Padre fan base looks at the Dodgers and and they're like, we want everything that they have. You know? Um, Money, championships, full stadium, you know, et cetera. And, And so the Padres look at the Dodgers as rivals. But the Dodgers are like, yeah, okay, little kid. Um, we look at those guys up north as our rivals. So that kind of sucks, too, when you desperately want to be rivals with somebody, but they don't want to be rivals with you because you're not really in the same league. Haven't been. Unfortunate truth. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, games – well, look, first of all, the Dodgers and Giants rivalry began before they even all moved to California. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Like, there's that part of the equation. Yep, there's the um, history. So they became – they were natural rivals in New York and then maintained their rivalry when they moved to different parts of California. Because Northern California and Southern California already have a natural rivalry. Right. Like, here's an example. You ready? The Dodgers and the Angels are considered natural rivals in interleague baseball. And as much as the Angel fans kind of wish they had what the Dodgers have, you know, the history of the Dodgers, I don't think Angel fans consider Dodgers rivals, and I know Dodger fans don't consider Angels rivals. I mean, they try, like, like if it were the White Sox and the, and the Cubs, yeah, okay, maybe you got a shot at trying to create a rivalry. You know, if it was the Giants and the A's, you got a shot at trying to create one inner city Mets, Yankees. But Dodgers Angels, does anybody really consider the Angels a rival of any kind, or even your American League rival, and vice versa? Does anybody who's an Angels fan consider their Dodgers a rival? Where are they at? I mean, I'm just asking. No, like where are the Angel fans at? Oh, Angel damn. fans! <laughs> I know. It's like Juliana when when he asked uh, about that Kayla girl, she yeah, was like, who? "Who? Yeah, who? What? Who? Yeah, I don't who's even know that? who she is." It's like they're real fans. What? It's like Clippers. What? Wow! Wow! Just taking shots for the sake of taking shots. Angels fans, come on, represent. Where are you people? Uh, There's D- Angel fans out DJ there. DJ Trunks, where are you at, DJ Trunks? Yeah, DJ Trunks. I don't know. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he's a Dodger fan. You know? I don't know. He's wearing an Angel hat. Oh, there you go. Then he's definitely an Angel fan. Yeah, you only rep if you're really a fan. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't think Angel fans consider the Dodgers their rival. And Major League Baseball kind of forces it as a, na- a major, now, as a now, natural rivalry. Now, now, speaking of competition. How do you feel about what Ryan Tannehill said today? Did you see what he said about them drafting Malik Willis? I did see this. He said, I, it's not my job to be his mentor. He basically pulled a Brett Favre on Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's what I – I don't know. And we can have this discussion further on the other side. Here's how I feel about this. Well, I, I'm, I, it kind of annoyed me that he said it that way because usually quarterbacks, as you know, Cap, are super buttoned up in the way they talk. They, they're literally kings of saying nothing, Okay. Because they know that if they say anything, it becomes a story. But my thing is this, and, and I'm just going to look at it as someone who covered Ryan Tannehill as a young quarterback. It would have behooved him to have someone mentor him because he might have been better sooner, to be honest with you. Because he was just always up and down because, in his case, he was not a finished product coming out of college. Nowhere near that. He was a raw prospect who used to play wide receiver and turned into a quarterback 
So I'm kind of disappointed because of the way he came into the league that he would say that, while also saying that I feel like mentor is a little too um, formal, right? Like I, I think that like I have, so I, I I I try to help a lot of people in this industry, particularly okay, and young people. And I, one kid specifically like came to me, and I talked to him to this day. Like I you know he said to me, I want you to be my mentor. And I said, that's really flattering, but I, I don't want it to have to be that formal where I, I you know, like I, you, you're trying to do your thing. You know, I'm here. I've got stuff to do. I've got a family. Like I, like if you've got an issue, just call me or text me and we can talk. Like, it doesn't have to be like, we have to set up something in the Calendly, you know, to use your phrase. <laughs> um, hey, Calendly, he like, that's a great way to set a meeting, George. Come on. And, don't down and on and Calendly. I, and, and then I, he was like, oh, okay. And then. Every time he's texted me or called me, I've been like, yeah, let's chat. Like, let's talk. Like, let's do it. You know, I'm in the middle of something. Obviously, I can't, but I'll tell him, can we do it tomorrow at this time or whatever? You know, we set up a time. Like, I'm big on helping people because I had a lot of help coming in. Yeah, but, but dude, what you're describing is not what Ryan Tannehill is living. Ryan Tannehill is a guy who failed in his first stop as a quarterback with the Dolphins, has found success now as quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, and now they've just drafted a quarterback that many people thought was the first or second best quarterback available in the draft. And now he's thinking to himself, well, here comes this young kid with a different skill set, and he's going to try and take my job. So, look, he's kind of coming. Wait, 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 wait. Let me. What? So this business is full of people who wouldn't help me because they thought I would take their job. And then there were a few people who were, like, secure enough in their own life and place in this business that were like, yeah, man, let, let's talk. Let's well, chat. this is you know precisely I mean? where I'm going that, that Ryan Tannehill is exactly where I'm going. He is not secure enough with who he is currently in the NFL and who he is within the Tennessee Titans organization to say, Hey, you know what? This is great. We got this young kid and he's got a different set of skills and he might be able to help us win, even though I'm still the starting quarterback. And you know what? How long is this going to last? And two years from now, he'll be the starting quarterback. And I care so much about this franchise that I'm going to help him so that when I'm gone, I have a succession plan. Like Alex Smith did with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but but I guess what I'm saying is is that if you're Ryan Tannehill... if Alex Smith can do that, it, it precisely exactly what he knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be the guy eventually, but he helped him. Like, Patrick but, Mahomes has talked about it openly. But I would say that Alex Smith had a much better career at that point really? than Ryan Tannehill has had. Ryan oh, yeah. Tannehill's been to the AFC Championship game, and, and Alex Smith had been to one NFC Championship game. Um, Ryan Tannehill's had a really nice career. I mean, for somebody to, like but I Alex said. Alex Smith? I feel like those guys are on equal footing. To oh, me. I don't think so. Now, look, you might look up some numbers, and you might tell me that they are close, but I would say that Alex Smith, career-wise and statistics-wise, is a much better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill at this stage of his career. Nah, I think they're fairly even to right, me. Well, you look it up. You'll, you'll let us know. But my okay. point is, is that Tannehill doesn't have the security in who he is and his job that maybe an Alex Smith did. And so... Listen, I'll give you another example. I mean, when Wait, Lamar... give me the other example on the other side because uh, we got to take a break. And Morales has chimed in that Sedano and I were secure enough to help each other. That's why we're BFFs. Now. Oh, that's sweet. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. <laughs> Why's Nickelback got one of those reputations that if you say you like a Nickelback song, everybody's like, what's wrong with you? Because they're terrible. Like, this is a good song. I like this song. So do I. But I'm not going to be like, ooh, let's go to a Nickelback concert. No. Yeah, exactly. Now, New Kids on the Block, that mixtape tour thing ooh. that Lindsay sent us That's in different. the chat. 
That's that a whole different world. We'll do that because it's also got salt and pepper, Rick Astley, and In Vogue too. And come Vogue. on, Rick, Ooh, Rick Astley. Vogue, I love In Rick Vogue. Astley's going to come out and do one song. In the night too. Okay, he'll do the Rick roll. <laughs> I mean, what other song does he have besides that? Yeah. I By the know. way, you know, Danny Wood and I follow each other on on Twitter. Oh, he you was my just, favorite. I just tweeted him right now. I'm going to tell him we're going to do a field trip to see him. Yes, in let's do it. I'm so down. Danny so. Wood. Is he, a, is he a new kid? Da- yeah, Danny. Yeah. He was my favorite. Everyone's no, had a new kid. Laura, who was your new kid? Danny. Oh, wait a second. Who was who the lead guy from the new kids? Was, Jordan. What was his name? Jordan. Jordan okay. And then, you had, and then you had Marky Mark's brother, Mark yes, Wahlberg's Donnie. brother, Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg. Those are the only two guys in the new kids Joey on the block McIntyre. that I can name. Okay, Dude, Joey McIntyre. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah Danny, Danny's Wood. the only one who like didn't have like his own solo career. Like, he was right. like the bass guy. That's why. Yeah, he was like he was, uh, mm, the beefcake. Dreamy. Was he the Joey Fatone? You, you, no. Cap, you would love him because he's he's like like an Alex Toussaint type. Like, oh, I he's see. Him. Like he he's working out all day. That guy shredded, bro. Okay. Danny Wood. I, I just followed him. Lindsay, it's funny that you sent us because, like, last night I was talking, I was texting somebody, and we were like, oh, we should totally go to this. So it's funny that you're like, I'm like, yeah, it's meant to be. We gotta I go. got an email, and it's like, show, show field trip for sure. Yeah, I was like, we got to go to this. We, we have yeah. to go. Danny Wood. All right, I see him. All right, yeah, he's, he is pretty ripped. He got tats. He got a body. I have a Danny New Kids on the Block doll, not going to lie. Really? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I used to have one. I I recently like parted ways, but I had those, and then I had the NSYNC ones too, and like the nine, uh, Beverly Hills nine hundred two one hundred ones. Yeah. So let's hmm. see if he responds. Come on, Danny Wood. Tell him to take I him mean, backstage and he's make probably, all childhood he, he's dreams probably, come true. He's on. Yeah, it's concert. Oh, he's, concert starts that? tomorrow, so he's probably on the road. Yeah. Did you guys hear what Lindsay said? No, what she said. I said, ask him to take us backstage and make all our childhood dreams come true. <laughs> okay. I was like, damn, girl. I, uh, I love them I so you. much. Let's see what them. happens. Let's see what happens. I know Lindsay and I have something else on the calendar, though, that we're talking about for a concert this summer. Um, That's a... this weekend, isn't it? No, 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 no. Next no, no. weekend. Next weekend. No, I don't think it's next weekend either. No, I think it's later. I think it's. I think it's more into anyway. the summer. It's in Redondo well, the Beach. The only issue, the only issue that could I, I could run into is the NBA playoffs on my end. But mm. I could still, you know, like you guys could still go, hey. and I'll let him know that you guys will go, and I'll still try to let you guys get the backstage passes. Well, did you know, Sedano, that if you don't have an NBA playoff day, that that is one of the days that ESPN and Jimmy Pitaro has designated as a break oh, from work day. Yeah, the uh, what does he call it? The um, oh. It's it's a uh, what's the right? date on that? Hold on. Uh, the 27th of May. Ah. Let me look it up. It's mm-hmm. the recharge day. Recharge day. I was going to say yeah. restoration day for whatever. Reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, recharge, restore, same thing. Yeah. No, Lindsay, the um, the Beach Life Festival is it's it's not for a while yet. I don't think. Yeah. Well, he's he's a big NBA fan. So that's why he follows me on social media. Actually, Lindsay, I think you may be right. I've got May 13th through the 15th. It is coming up. I'm always right, but you know. Well, I mean, according, that. I don't know. Okay, man. so real quick, um, yeah, I, I think that being you know mentor, whatever, it doesn't have to be that formal. But if I'm Ryan Tannehill, it's like, yo, the best thing for the team is if you know somehow I get hurt, Malik Willis needs to be ready for us to win games. And by the way, Alex Smith also did that for Colin Kaepernick, as a as a DJ Trunks pointed out. Yeah, um, listen. I just don't think Ryan Tannehill is secure enough with himself. Well, and clearly that's the case. That, yeah, that he's that. that he's going to want to mentor somebody. Listen, but I don't I mean, think he, he he's been really good in Tennessee. Like he's made the Pro Bowl now a couple times. Like right, but but George, you know what's going to happen? Comeback now. player of the year. He went to an AFC Championship game and played right. like he he was like um like a, a couple plays of going away going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but but here's what's going to happen now. Now he goes out, and if things don't go his way. All of a sudden, now the fans start to clamor for, well, we've got this new style of talented quarterback. And the Baltimore Ravens were in a similar situation a few years ago. Joe Flacco was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Right. And they drafted Lamar Jackson. And what 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 was he going to do? Like mentor Lamar Jackson? He's a completely, utterly different kind of player. But could you mentor him with business, family, how to manage life, et cetera? Sure you could. But you also, if you're not super secure, you're like, man, this guy's trying to take my job. 
And so if you, you know, when you feel like somebody's trying to take your job, you may or may not want to mentor that person. I think you should be more secure in your job if you're Ryan Tannehill. That's my point. Well, you should tell and, him. And that. by the way, in general, you should want to help people, um, younger people in your profession. You shouldn't be the jerk that says, it's not my job to mentor him. Well, listen, um, again, I, I think that the, the description you've given about... Let me ask about... you a question. Yeah, if go a ahead. young guy came to you yeah. and, and, and it's like, Scott, we're going to be on the same show... And he's like, he's like a producer, on-air guy, like, you know, Lindsay or Laura, let's say, right? Um, would you help them? Have many, many times. But, okay. but I've seen it the other way around. I had a guy who I used to work with many years ago, won't say the name, because a lot of people listening will go, oh, I know that guy. I've heard that guy on the radio for years. He's still on. Let me tell you, this guy would never help anybody and always kind of tried to hold people back. He was that kind of personality. You ever have yeah. somebody in your Oh no, in your, I've, I've I've seen plenty of those people. Right. In this where where there's that one person who's so insecure that he he won't help cultivate and get the team stronger even though he's in a position to do so, but because of his insecurity or her insecurity, because of that, they almost try and intentionally hold people back rather than try and build people up. Do you know that personality, everybody? Yes. But, you know, a very smart person told me when I was getting into the sports media business, always, always, always help people out because you never know who you're going to see on the way up that you're going to see on the way down. Right. All the people you see on the way up, you're going to see on the way down. Dude, I had a guy guy who when I was – this is 20 years ago. I'm working in New York City. He's an associate producer. He's running the board. He's a young kid. He's just kind of getting into the business. And today, all these years later, and he's been running it forever, he works for a big radio company called Odyssey, and he runs like the whole New York market. And prior to that, he ran their whole sports radio network. So it's so true. You know, you here's this young kid. He was probably 23, 24 years old at the time. I was probably, I don't know, 30 something i was pretty young too and this guy's got a he's a big star in the industry so helping people along the way sounds good unless you're an nfl quarterback and they just drafted somebody and now this guy's trying to take my job i mean again if you're if you're that good you you shouldn't have to worry about he ain't that good and shouldn't you always been really good the last couple years and i like him i i like him and i and he has been but he's not he's not patrick mahomes He's not no, Aaron Rodgers. Of course Rogers, not. Of course know? not. But again, like it, it just, it, it's, it, it's just. I don't know. I just think it's disappointing. Basically, I hated it when Favre did it to Rodgers back then. Yep. Yep. I know. Listen, it's, a, it, it's, it shows insecurity. Ryan Tannehill in this example is showing the world he don't really think that it's his job automatically. Aaron Rodgers is not competing for his job. Matthew Stafford is not competing for his job. Patrick Mahomes isn't either. But maybe Ryan Tannehill will find himself competing for his job. He did draft a quarterback. Yeah, but that kid's not going to be ready this year anyway. I wouldn't think so. He's a, from a small school, Liberty University. The likelihood that he's ready to walk into the NFL and play an NFL football game, probably not that high. Yeah. By the way, people are taking uh, – male uh, Instacart uh, – Shoppers are taking exception to what Lindsay uh, Lindsay's story earlier. Wait, oh, but no. I I said I'm in my experience, and I generally like that has happened with me where the women pay closer attention to detail. And in my experience, I can kind of relate to what that lady said. Well, I mean, listen, here's proof. Earlier, I said when's the Beach Life Festival? You said it's coming up May 13th through the 15th. I'm like, no, it's way later in the summer. You're right. I'm wrong. I stand corrected. And now that I'm looking at the weekend, I don't even think I can go. And I got these tickets. And I want to see Weezer and Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, please give them to me because Weezer is my favorite band to see live. Ever. I want to yeah. see so, Cheryl Crow. So Errol Andre Brown tweets us and says, At Sedan, I'm an Instacart shopper and I'm great. I have very high ratings. You should always ask the customer what they prefer. Luis Cueto uh, tweets us and says, At Scott Kaplan, ESPN Los Angeles. I'm currently working Instacart at Food for Less while simultaneously listening to you and Sedano on the radio. And he tweeted you too. You guys. Uh, the two ladies. So. I'm sure that there's a lot of them that are great. I'm just saying that, you know, 
And generally speaking, I think women pay closer attention to detail. In my experience, you know, guys just kind of like make the swap and, and seem to want to get it done quicker. Now, that's not to say there's not bad female Instacart shoppers because there is. You know, I've had those too. Uh, all right. Well, we can discuss that and some more as Big Deal or No Deal is coming up next. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Thank you, Christopher. Did right, know. What do you got? All right. So the Big 12 conference is set to become the Big 14. So it's going to get a little confusing here, but, but stay with me. So as things currently stand, the Big 12 is actually made up of 10 schools. However, Oklahoma and Texas are leaving for the SEC in three years. And to get ahead of the move, the Big 12 is adding four new teams that's going to take the conference to exactly 12. Those four teams are BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Because BYU is currently an independent program, it's free to join the Big 12 at any time, so they're going to join it next year. So the Big 12 is going to be the Big 11 next year, and then it's going to turn into the Big 14 two years later. <laughs> this whole conference is just like in a big mess. Is this a big deal or no deal, Cap? <laughs> I think it's a big deal because as someone who's really into college football and follows all this realignment, um, Texas and Oklahoma leaving and going to the SEC – Oh, man, I don't love that for either of those schools. I understand why they want to do it for money, but, man, get ready. That is a whole different world of football down there. And then adding schools like BYU, I hate the fact that BYU has been independent. I don't really love their location compared to these Big 12 schools, so I don't really like that. I'm happy for Cincinnati and Central Florida. They finally get a chance to step up, but they're stepping up into a conference who has Baylor and West Virginia. And Texas Tech, they're not stepping into the, the same conference that had Texas and Oklahoma, so I could ramble all day long. George, what do you think? I mean, Baylor's pretty no damn deal. good, though. No, they are good. They are <laughs> good. West Virginia's but pretty damn good, too. They're good, but this is yeah. not the conference. They're walking into the Big 12, no, of and course, when you lose Oklahoma and Texas, that's, yeah. that's the big yeah, deal. it's huge. It is a big deal. Of course it's a big deal. I'm with you on that. Um, look, ultimately, I think we're going to get down to four conferences. I think there's going to be 15 teams in four conferences, and it'll be 60 power, 60 power five schools playing in four conferences, and then we'll get closer to doing a better version of the playoffs down the road. Boy, I hope it's more than 60. Why? Why do you need more than 60? Because I just feel like a lot of schools that have put in their time and have been you know, bottom feeders of their conferences are all going to get like cut in your equation, you know? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, only the strong survive. Yeah. Well, they should only... just do like a tournament, like the basketball, like NCAA tournament march madness do it like that yeah well you can't do that because football's too physical <laughs> but um it'd be people like literally be great. Will be on the floor yeah you know, you know it may come down to if you know in your equation of 60 just using it as an example of those who have the most nil money uh probably yeah because yeah. all of a sudden you know some smaller teams that play in bigger conferences they're like we can't keep up with these guys anymore that's well, what's gonna happen speaking of nil really quick in relation to this story I saw that there's a lot of coaches over the past like couple weeks specifically talking out about the NIL and the rules. I know we talked about Nick Saban like mentioning it like a week or two in a press conference. I just feel like the past few days there's been a lot of like noise about coaches and teams complaining about the NIL rules 
And now apparently like they're considering making changes as to like, they're going to eliminate boosters from the equation and not allow boosters to be involved in NIL deals. So like, how are they even going to do that? Because boosters were involved when it was illegal. Boosters have basically just been able to do it above board now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's just right. Boosters can now just say it's their business. Hey, I have this business. We're hiring this guy. Yeah. But now they're now I guess there's like reports that teams could get sanctioned and fined if they allow boosters to be involved in NIL deals. Oh, they can forget it, man. The, the no, shackles the are off, man. Is, all the booster needs to do is create an LLC or, or ha- have a business. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's over. The, the, the cat is out of the bag. And every right. other cliche that you can come up with that says the that the rules the have tube. changed. Right. Every cliche you can figure out that says the rules have changed drastically and there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, that was the next one I was going to use. Oh, really? I took it from you? Yeah, that's okay. Oh. The pickle is out of the jar. I don't think that one applies, but whatever. Do people actually use that one? Pickles out of the jar? That's why I said I don't know if that applies, but whatever. Never heard that before. Thought that meant something else. Anyway, so uh, another football-related story. So Robert Griffin III was spotted running a sub 4-5-40 a few weekends ago while he was participating in the annual Run Rich Run charity event with Rich Eisen. His 4-4-8 time not only turned the heads of attendees like Mike Vick and Chris Carter, but it also apparently caught the attention of NFL teams. Griffin appeared on Rich Eisen's show today and said that a handful of teams have actually reached out to him after they heard about his impressive time, saying that, you know, they could be interested in him as a veteran backup quarterback situation. Is Mm -hmm. this a big deal or no deal, Cap? Um, I'm going to say it's no deal, even though I love, love, love the story. I mean, Robert Griffin III is probably, I, mean, I bet you he's what? How old do you think he is, George? Maybe 32-ish? Yeah, he's going to be 32. You know, uh, a lot, yeah, that sounds right. A yeah, lot of quarterbacks kind of come into their prime at 32. And there's been plenty of stories of guys that have been out of football, that have come back into football, got lucky breaks here or there, and then you know, reestablish I mean, themselves. Cunningham is a perfect example. He was out of football for a couple of years, wasn't he? He's exactly 32, by the way. 32. Yeah, so I just feel like... Um, you know, if, if, if RG3 still wanted to play, I'll bet you there's a, a roster spot for him somewhere. How funny would it be if RG3 ends up with a team and Baker Mayfield has no takers? That could actually really happen because Baker know, Mayfield be is known as a jerk. Yeah, It'd be really funny, though. Um, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, Mark Jones and I are very close. Uh, we just worked together this past weekend. He also does college football with RG3. He's That's in it. That's his partner last year on college football on ESPN. I think and he's good on TV. At, they they were look who Mark Jones? No, RG three. Yeah, and they were saying. I mean, Mark Jones looks great. Mark too. Jones you know is old, a, Mark Jones is amazing. Do you know how old Mark Jones is? Mark Jones is Mark Jones looks thirty, and I'll bet you he's closer to sixty. He's sixty. Yeah, and he looks thirty. You're right, dude. He guy's amazing. Guy is great. So. um Jonesy was telling me every week when guys were, when teams were looking for quarterbacks, as guys were getting hurt, they were expecting to lose their analyst, you know, that week <laughs> before the game, like wherever they were going, you know, like, uh oh, we're going to Norman this week for Oklahoma. Is is RG three going to be here? Like, yeah. <laughs> That's very so, funny because I'm telling you, RG three is good, yeah. and Mark Jones, Mark Jones is one of those those broadcasters that has been so good for so long and is so utterly underrated. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. Because he never became the number one guy. Right. And he's great. He's the number two guy on NBA. And so everybody yeah. in the business respects the ever-living hell out of the dude. Yeah. And he's awesome at his job. And he's just been around forever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, but that's just to answer your question, yes, that I think it's possible. So I think it is a big deal because RG3 is still too young. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. What's next? All right, so Delaware North and the Texas Rangers are currently experimenting with in-seating bowl beer vendors that accept payment through Venmo. The Venmo beer hawkers wear a neon-colored shirt with a QR code on it while carrying a paddle with a QR code that fans can scan to initiate a beer purchase. They're trying to figure out if this can be rolled out on a larger scale to some of their other units. Is this a big deal or no deal, Sedano? Okay, repeat that again. I, I, I kind of lost. I also kind of got a little lost there. <laughs> so beer vendors currently, you know, when you go to the stadium, you have to give right. them cash or your card. Yeah. Well, the Texas Rangers and the company that they use for their, you know, in-stadium service, they're experimenting with QR codes for Venmo payments. So instead okay. of paying with card or cash. Right, you, you just can, show them the QR code on your Venmo app. 
No, no, no. They they're wearing shirts with like the vendors themselves. Oh, are with, a with a QR code. Got code, it. And they hold up like a paddle with a QR code on it, so you could walk up to them and be like, "Boop, here you go." And they hand you you show them a little verification on your phone, and they hand you the beer. Right. I like, so like what? Venmo, Apple Pay, whatever for mm-hmm. buying beer I, I in like stadiums. That. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's cool. Uh, big deal. I think anything that makes it easier is is better. Yes, I think. Look, most stadiums are cashless now anyway, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's why I'm going the opposite direction with no deal because I like the idea of more convenience. But I, I have to say the reason I'm calling this no deal is because like a snob, I just expect it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, really? I can QR code and pay you from my phone and we don't have to exchange cash. You don't have to touch my card. Nothing like that. I don't even have to put my phone to your little device. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, snobbily expecting this amount of technology and convenience at ballparks. You know, Cap, this reminds me of a story. I, I texted Sedano about it on Friday when we left the Rams draft house. Uh, you were right about, like, the cash, at least carrying some cash on you thing. Because when I left and we had the valet parking guy who, yep. you know, took our cars, I looked in my purse and I realized I didn't have any cash. And then I asked him if he had Venmo and he said he didn't. Yep. And I was like, oh, no, what do I do? And I texted Sedano thinking I was texting the group. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel like such a jerk. I drove to, like, the gas station at the bottom of the hill and went to the ATM to get cash out and then bought something so I had the change, like, you know, and, and went back up there to tip the guy because that, I felt like th- such a jerk. That is very nice of you, but you've gone way out of your way. I had a situation the same exact no, day. And I and let's, let me tell you, Linz, I had a $20 bill. I had $20 on me. That's what I had. And I asked the guy, do you have anybody, anybody have any change? One of the valet guys broke it, and I gave the guy who parked my car 5 bucks. If you don't have cash and they don't have Venmo, then you're just like, hey, I'm super sorry. I apologize, but I just don't have any cash. I'm very happy to give you a tip. You should have Venmo because I could I just Venmo you that. 5 bucks. I did tell him, I said, you need to get Venmo because one of the other guys did too. And I was like, well, can I get Venmo and give it to him? And he's like, he was like, no, he's off work for the day. I don't know, whatever it was. I was like, you need to get Venmo, man. Put it on a business card or something. Because so like, few okay. people are carrying cash, dude. That's right. Yep. Yep. I felt but that was very sweet of you. You went way out of your way. I'll tell you well, that right now. I mean, I went to Disney and I, I, I just realized how much people appreciate when, you know, obviously you should tip people when they deserve to be tipped. And then when you tip them a little bit more, they go out of their way for you. And that happened to us a lot in Disney. And, you know, I met like a, a lifelong friend probably there in Disney because she was such a great concierge at our hotel. And I, I compensated her greatly for it. So, wow, very nice. You know, a little tip goes a long way. It probably made their day. And like, you know, five bucks to me, like, you know, I'd rather give it to them and make them happy. There you yeah. go. 100%. Good for you. Good for you. Again, I, I, I wouldn't have done it, but good for you. Th- that is big deal or no deal. Um, you know what, Laura? Can you can you grab the Juliana Pena interview we did earlier? Because I, I feel like a lot of people, we have a lot of fight fans who listen here. Um, I know we had mentioned that maybe we'd play it in the last segment earlier. You would can be we, doing me such a monster favor if we did this. Do you understand that right now? Why? Do you need Rachel needs you to go somewhere? No, I want to go to this Pearl Jam concert, and it's supposed to start at 730, and I'm, okay, I want to order an Uber. Laura, but, go clip the Juliana Payne interview. I'll handle the whatever the, the gaps are in between because I do think it'd be great for people to listen to because she kind of caught us by surprise. Oh, totally. It was awesome. <laughs> and we had fun with her, and it was a good interview. Uh, Juliana Pena, who beat Amanda Nunez, they're going to fight again probably in the summer. They're on this season's uh, episode of The Ultimate Fighter. They're the two coaches on ESPN+. Plus. It's The Ultimate Fighter 30. So we'll have that for you on the other side. And then Cappy can go, uh, you know, go watch Pearl Jam. Right? I got to go so. rock the house with Eddie Vedder tonight. Oh, my God. Go wear a flannel, bro. All right. So we'll be back in about two and a half minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Thank you, Christopher. I mean, of course, everybody loves a good lollipop. 
Um, I also love a good surprise. And earlier today, we were supposed to have Juliana Pena on at 5 o'clock, and she surprised us. Laura's like, hey, uh, your guest is on the line? I'm like, who? She's like, Juliana Pena. I'm like, oh, the UFC women's bantamweight champion was supposed to join us in 30 minutes is here now? I thought she was messing with us. Yeah, she she wasn't, and we had a lot of fun with her. Let's take a listen. Um, You know, look, she's an inspiration. Absolutely. Juliana, thank you so much. Uh, Our apologies. We were told that you'd be joining us at 5 Pacific, but... Thank you for joining us, and, you know, a belated congratulations to you on your big win a few months ago. Well, thank you, gentlemen. It's 7.30 in New York. You're late. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, listen, I'm not messing with you. You can kick our ass, so, I, you know, whatever no, you're saying. I mean, I mean, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I literally called in when my publicist told me to, so I, I'm sorry if you weren't expecting <laughs> right. me at this hour. I can call back. No, no, no. No, 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 no we, we got, got you here. Let's we got this. you. Let's, let's, let's talk chat. about it. Okay, yeah. okay. So, all right. It's, so it's hilarious. So I do, um, you know, I do a show regularly with Chael Sonnen on ESPN+. And before your fight, obviously we previewed that fight with you and Amanda. And it was, he. I feel like he was the only, like, of all the big-name UFC commentators, analysts or whatnot, that was consistently on your side. Were you aware of that, like, what people were saying about you going into that fight? Yes, I absolutely was. You know, um, one thing I don't pay attention to that much is the odds, but uh, one thing I do pay attention to is, you know, the broadcasters and what they're saying and how they're feeling. Well, the odds in that fight, again, this is going back to, you know, early December of 21. I mean, I think you were like minus 1,000. In other words, you were a monster, monster underdog that nobody was giving any, any chance to. What were you thinking going into that fight? I was thinking I can't wait for everybody to lose all their money and how much I was going to laugh when I win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, well, you it really it. was. Uh, and, and, you know, you were talking the talk and you walked the walk. And, and I feel like it, your story is just inspirational on a lot of levels, right? Because this was, in essence, to you know, to Scott's point about the odds and whatnot, it felt like, you know – one of the biggest upsets maybe in UFC history? Is that fair to say that you were part of that and now you're you're going to go out there to prove that it wasn't that, that you are that good? No, I definitely think that it was uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest upset in UFC history. And, and that's exactly why I'm doing it, because people think that it was a fluke. They think that the sun was shining too bright that day or that, you know, Amanda wasn't the healthiest. Whatever the excuses were, I'm here to uh, say, uh, no, I did exactly what I said I was going to do, and none of you guys believe me, and you don't believe me again, so we're just going to have to run it back. And then finally, when I do it again, maybe then you guys will get on my side and join me as the new UFC world champion. No, 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 Juliana. I am on your side. I'm t- I, Chael sold me before that fight, and I was like, I was like, okay, if, if you say this to me, because, you know, look, Chael's amazing, clearly had an amazing career, and he's a great analyst. I'm like, if you're in on this, I, I'm in on this. And I went into it thinking, okay, I, and, and at that fight, like, you controlled the fight completely. Like, it, it was as, as spot on a prediction as he's ever had. And trust me, I give him a lot of grief when he's wrong. But, like, it, it was, at, at, you, you could not have executed your game plan any better, right, in that particular fight. Yeah, and that's the one thing that I appreciate from Shale. You know, we're from the Pacific Northwest, and uh, we're loyal to the soil up there, especially to our wrestler-grappler types. And so Shale knew what was up. He knew what time it was, and he was the only one gunning for me. And I just want to say thank you, Shale. You know, he is a friend, and, and we talked, and I let him know what I was going to do. And he was the only one calling it like I was calling it. So it was nice to know that, you know, I was able to back up what I said I was going to do and, of course, to have a great, like, Shale on my side. Juliana, you mentioned that you're from the Pacific Northwest, from Spokane, Washington, right? Yes, sir. How does somebody get into MMA? I mean, soccer, softball, volleyball. How do you wind up getting into MMA as a young lady? You know, I, I, it wasn't something that I was seeking. It wasn't something that I was like, oh, I can't wait to be a UFC fighter or having these big dreams of being a UFC fighter. It was me walking into a gym um, that I was basically dragged there by my sister, and I only went because I needed to lose some weight, you know. And she was there to check out a boy, and I was there to lose some weight. <laughs> so, you know, it ended up working out for me, but it wasn't something that I was actively seeking. It just kind of found me, and it fit perfectly with me and my personality and who I am as a person just because 
I've been beat up my whole life. My brother beat the holy living crap out of me. He made it so difficult for me to do anything. You know, he was always holding me down, telling me, no, you're too little to do this. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. But then there was times where he'd be like, well, give me a glass of water. And I wasn't too little to do that. I wasn't too little to, you know, be a little errand girl. And so that feeling of, you know, somebody always trying to tell you that you can't do something is kind of where this fighting personality comes out in me, um, as well as, um, you know, just family history and, and, you know, my mom always being stepped on and not being able to fight for herself, you know. So I think that growing up in a family like that, and, and I'm not knocking my brother by any means. Every brother, brother is, is hard and rough with their siblings. Um, but that kind of upbringing is what I think was living inside of me. And it wasn't until that I walked into that woman's cardio kickboxing class to lose weight that I said, hey, this is what I should have been doing a long time ago. This is my niche. This is my thing. And this is absolutely perfect for me. And uh, I fell in love with the sport, and the rest is history. Juliana wow. Pena, the UFC women's bantamweight champion, uh, joining us here on Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN here in Los Angeles. So when did you know? Because oh, one thing is, okay, you fell in love with it. You were doing this class with your sister. But when did you know that you could probably make a profession out of this? You know, I still didn't know. I took my first fight, and uh, it was in a in a bowling alley, and I swung for the fences for three rounds like that girl had owed me her lunch money for 10 years. Like, every <laughs> pent of aggression that I have ever had in my life, I took it out on that poor girl, and I was like, wow. And I won a 3XL Zion t-shirt. So I was literally like, what are you doing with your life? There was many times where I tried to quit the sport, many times where I was like, you know, this is very hard. This is very difficult. But my coach was the one person who stayed in my corner who literally told me, you're very good at this. Women's fighting is rare. You can make a career out of this. And one day, Dana White's going to allow women into the UFC if you just stick with it. So, you know, if it wasn't for my coach believing in me more than I had believed in myself, I probably would still be serving tables or, you know, um, I don't know, being a lawyer or something like that. But I, I definitely – there was – trials and tribulations where I was ready to walk away from the sport. And, and I think that having that guidance and, and having that mentor from my coach and just continuing to care about me is what truly kept me in the sport and what helped drive my passion. Once I started to get the hang of it, once I got better, I started to, to fall in love with it more and more. But in the beginning, it was, it was rough. Juliana, I'm curious, you know, a cardio kickboxing class is nice. Hey, I'm going to lose a couple of pounds. But the first time you get punched in the face, What's that like? Well, I feel like everyone has that big stigma, right? They're like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't even imagine getting punched in the face. But when you're fighting, it's such a primal instinct thing. Your adrenaline is going so high, you do not even feel it, honestly. At the time, you're just all, all systems are running. The next day, yeah, you feel like you kind of got ran over by a Mack truck, but not when you're fighting. When you're fighting, you don't even feel it, honestly. Wow. Uh, Amanda. anyway. Let me, uh, excuse me, when Amanda now says that, ba I, I mean, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she basically feels like, um, you know, she gave you credit there that night, but it feels like, you know, as the fight, the next fight has been building, she's kind of been discrediting you a little bit. Um, how do you take that? It, it, it's really annoying, and that's what's the whole, so frustrating about this whole thing, you know. Um, Amanda was very, uh, very graceful in defeat. But she hasn't accepted it. You know, the belt speaks for itself. It's with me. I brought it home that night, and I'm going to bring it home the next time that we fight as well. But she won't accept it. She thinks that it was a fluke. She thinks that, you know, she wasn't um, training properly or she wasn't healthy or her knees hurt or this, that, and the other. You know, she's got excuses coming out of the woodwork. You know, she just can't accept it. And so that is my job to make her go accept it for the second time and to solidify in her mind, girl, you're done. It's time to retire. You're done. It's my time now. So when is this fight going to go down? Because I, I know that that night you said, hey, I'll give you the rematch. Obviously, you, you've earned a chance to get your belt back. But I, I haven't been able to find when this thing is going to go down. Do we have a date yet? Um, I do. I just can't say, but I would anticipate sometime in the summer. I'll tell you that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Come on. Um, tell now, me. Tell me when. Now, now, let me ask you this. Um, do you, like, do you, how do you feel about Ronda Rousey? Because, you know, obviously she treated you somewhat poorly, I feel like, uh, on the Ultimate Fighter show. Um, and, and, you know, with you coming on that show, like, does, does that stuff stick in your craw? And what, what are your, I guess, feelings about Ronda? 
You know, I think that Rhonda shattered many glass ceilings for us as women and opening up these doors into the UFC. I want to thank her. I absolutely would like to thank her for doing that because if it wasn't for Rhonda and opening up those doors, there would be no me as a champion. Rhonda was in the past. I'm the now. And I think that by her mistreating me, by her telling me I didn't deserve to breathe the same air as another girl, by her telling me that she was going to kick my ass, has fueled why I want to fight her. If she ever decides to come back uh, from her UFC retirement, I would welcome her with open arms. It would be sad to have to beat her, but it would also be a great honor. Juliana, I got one more thing for you. I can hear background. You mentioned that you're in New York, that it's 7.30 there, now 7.40. I'm curious, what are you doing on a Tuesday evening in New York running around? Sounds like you got some commotion going on behind you. What's cooking in your life? Yeah, so I have been here for the last few days. I did Good Morning America. I've done Sports Illustrated, ESPN. Um, I've, I've been just so busy trying to promote this new season of the ultimate fighter i've had two jam-packed days of just press literally all day long from 6 15 a.m um till now 7 30 and i am just here to promote the show tomorrow i'll get back on my flight and uh, it'll be back right back to business but yeah it's dinner time for me i'm hungry i earned it i've been working hard i understand girl you need to get <laughs> some right. food yeah, well, listen, I got two more quick ones for you. Is that cool before you go and get some food? Yeah, hey, I, I got all the time in the world. No worries, no rest. Okay, all right. I got another uh, person who's talking smack about you, and she's not even in the UFC, is Kayla Harrison, saying that, you know, uh, people talking about you eventually fighting her if you guys were uh, in the same promotion, and she said, quote, you're going to get her really hurt, seriously hurt. What do you have to say about Kayla? Who? That's perfect. That's it. Yeah. Kayla Harrison. Listen, I'm the champion. She's a nobody. She's not even worth discussing. She's not on my level. Right. I felt the same way. And she had the opportunity to come and she didn't. So it's just somebody trying to get attention and I'm not going to give it to her. Okay. Fair enough. And then the last thing, where is the wildest place you've ever gotten into a real fight that's not been in a ring or an octagon or a sanctioned fight? You're not going to like this very much because it's honestly very sad, but I got in a fist fight with a co-worker of mine in the back of an alley, and I got my eyes swollen shut for 11 days and three, or no, excuse me, I got my eyes swollen shut for three days and 11 stitches in my eye. Um, and so, yes, it was in the back alley in Spokane, Washington. Was it against wow. a girl? Nope, it was against a over six-foot uh, tall man. He clearly had mental issues, and so did I to agree to go out there and fight him. <laughs> oh, my and where, God. Where were you working at the time? Uh, I don't even want to give the place any credit because I'll never go there again. I actually <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't have to it. name the place. Like, what kind of place was oh. it? Oh, it was a restaurant. I was a I was an expediter, a food expediter. Like, when the food comes up, I get it right. ready for the tables, and he was my fry cook. And so... Um, you know, uh, previously I had been his boss at a different place. And when I started that job and I saw him as my fry cook, I was like, no, please not this kid, you know, cause I was his boss before, uh, at the other place that we worked together. And so it was just a breeding ground for trouble. And we had finally been at each other's throats for so long that I was like, let's go right now. I, I thought I'm a trained fighter. I'm going to kick this kid's butt and I'm literally going to submit him. Uh, I didn't take into consideration, you know, number one, he's a man. Number two, his length. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to throw any cheap shots. I'm not going to kick him in the nads, nothing like that, because I'm a skilled fighter and I can beat him on my skill. But uh, looking back, I should have just 